Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood with Julie Plunk. Hey. And John Paul Basham. Yo. We are excited to be here with you for another episode and want to take just a quick second to remind you of the resources that are available for you, many of them free, uh, throughout this pandemic we are in. And you can find information about that at studentministry.lifeway.com slash hub. H-U-B is the hub part of that in case hub is kind of a weird word to say via microphone. So anyway, studentministry.lifeway.com slash hub is where you can find out uh, about all the resources that are being made available to you. Uh, for ministry during this season, and that gets updated at least once a week with some new stuff. And as always, we would love to have you, if you play video games, to come to Student Pastor Game Night. That is on Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. Sorry, East Coasters, I know that's a little bit late, but it's a Thursday night, and you can maybe sleep in a little on Friday. I don't know. I don't know your situation, but we'd love to have you come hang out. Uh, and that information is on studentministry.lifeway.com slash hub as well. Okay, if you haven't left a rating and review, please take the 30 seconds that it takes to do that to go over to iTunes and give us some stars, give us some words, uh, what you think of the podcast. That way we can continue to make it better for you. It also helps people find the podcast when they go to Apple Podcasts and are searching for their student ministry content. So, Thank you for that. Today, I think we have a really important topic that we want to spend a good deal of time on because I think it's something, guys, that if if we're not careful, it could kind of slip through the cracks during this time. Um, As uh, and I I say that because it's easy for this to slip through the cracks in normal ministry season. So I think even more so now, and that is uh, specifically ministering to volunteers. Um, so if we could, let's take the training component out of this. Uh, I think ministering to them does include training them to do what we've asked them to do. There is an element of that that I think is true. At the same time, I think if we're not careful, we will see the training that we do as the only interaction or as enough when we're not really ministering. We're not caring for their hearts in that moment. We're not, we're not caring for them as people. And so your training is not the same as you caring for the volunteers in your ministry. And it's, like I said, that's easy to kind of slip through the cracks in normal ministry season because we recruit them, train them, we turn them loose, and they run. And now it, it, I think that's, that's heightened. What do you guys think about that slipping through the cracks right now? That's something that is happening. That's absolutely something that that I think student pastors should keep in mind and just be mindful of because of the distance. A lot of times we don't talk to our volunteers except for when they walk into the building anyway, which is why a lot of volunteer things fall through the cracks. You see them, well, and for me, we even had kind of two different sets of volunteers on Wednesdays and Sundays. And so for a lot of the volunteers on Sunday, there wasn't, there wasn't crossover in the middle of the week. And if you're not being intentional to reach out over the course of the week for, you know, through whatever you're doing, then you see them on Sunday and really on Sunday it's, Hey, how's it going? And they're running into their small group and you're, and you're going to do 
whatever's on your plate in that moment. So even under normal programming circumstances, if you're not super intentional, there's so much potential for those relationships to fall through the cracks and everything that you're expecting of them and communication to them to fall through the cracks. So then put this COVID season in place. That was weird. COVID. Um, <laughs> but the All about the emphasis. Yeah. The emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> you know, enter COVID season and now everybody's at home. And so you're not seeing them unless you're intentionally getting on a Zoom call, which adds more steps to being in contact with them, to encourage them, to lift them up, to give them pointers, for them to be able to reach out to you and talk to you about what's going on in their life. Man, it's just a very real struggle that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, and I've talked with many a student minister that right now their focus has just turned into mostly solely on how do I keep my students engaged? How do I focus on my seniors? Which does need to be a focus, but got to bring in those volunteers too, because obviously this, this is going to end at some point and, and just engaging them and using them because it is a big, this is a difficult time. So bringing, inviting them into this with you and trying to utilize them and get their help. So not only to encourage them and to pour into them, but also to make your life a little bit easier right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, there are, I think volunteers, there are some really specific needs that I think they're walking through right now. If, if your student ministry is like other student ministries, then you probably have parents of middle schoolers or parents of high schoolers as a good number of your volunteer leaders. And so they're juggling a lot right now because kids are out of school. They're having now to shift to uh, either helping their students with online learning or whatever your school system is doing with that. But there's added responsibilities there. There's added responsibilities and stress from, from their job and what the economics of this situation look like. And so, I, man, there are some real pastoral moments that student pastors can have in this moment right now. But it takes looking along with student engagement. It takes looking at our leaders and saying, okay, how can I pastor them right now versus how can I make sure that they're just leading groups still? And I think that's, I think that's a big issue to tackle. Yeah, and this is something we talked about leading up to this episode was the need for student pastors to think about what future state looks like when we when we re-engage programming gets back to normal. And this may sound to you, I would ask you not to hear it this way, this may sound to you a, a little bit cold, a little bit calculating, but I think it is something worth thinking about. That if your leaders, your volunteers, find themselves in a place where they're struggling to get their small groups to connect with them. They're not having the same kind of interaction in student ministry that they had before. They don't, they're not around the typical student ministry hype that maybe from week to week tended to kind of fuel them for the next week of ministry. There, there's just a lot of pieces that aren't there right now that could lead to volunteers becoming discouraged and feeling distanced from the ministry and starting to question whether or not they really should be doing student ministry. Mm. And there's, maybe that's a good thing in some circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a great out for you with a few volunteers. 
a mad are you are you advocating for a natural culling of the herd type <laughs> moment <laughs> well really what i'm talking about is making sure that you don't lose the herd yeah. over the course of this season because you don't want them to be so discouraged that they say, you know what, this must mean that I'm not a good fit for student ministry anymore. When really, this is just a tough season where even student pastors are having a hard time getting students to engage with them. So I think it, it makes this effort and intentionality in ministering to your volunteers and showing them appreciation and taking some moments to train them and encourage them even more critical than maybe it was before. Because if you don't lean into this, you may not have volunteers to come back to. Man, I think that is such an important thing to consider is the retention of volunteers. You know, we've talked before about how when you recruit a new leader, you have the next 12 months to convince them to stay for another four years. Like that, that first year that they serve, through your care and through your training and through your pastoring of them as leaders, you're convincing them whether or not this is a place where they're going to stay and continue serving. And right. I think that same logic can be put into place for what you're saying right now, John Paul. What, how many conversations have you had over the years with a leader that says, I just don't know if I'm relevant to this age group. I just don't know no. if I'm cool enough, or I just don't know if they're listening to me. Like, We've had hundreds of those conversations with leaders over the years. Yeah. And leaders are going to be questioning that even more right now because of engagement that's going on. And it's, it's a little bit more nuanced to have a relationship with students right now. And so all of those factors come into play. And I think your point on the retention of this is, is absolutely critical for leaders to understand. I think that's really, really good, John Paul, too, because this goes for any person in leadership, but I think especially where we are now and maybe the discouragement that you've talked about that they may be feeling, this starts with ministering to them as human beings more so than the job that they're doing. So getting on a level where you're ministering to them relationally, how are you doing as a probably a parent of a middle schooler, like, how am I, how can I minister to you in a struggling time, first and foremost, before you're volunteering this ministry, and I really hope you stick around, so I think it really starts with that, and this is a great opportunity, obviously, we're going to talk about this, but practically, how to do that. Yeah, I think it really shines a spotlight on how well leaders know their volunteer base relationally, like how much they've connected with them in the past. Is there a comfort level to reach out and ask how they are? Or is it like I've picked up my phone and I'm going to dial this number and I'm like, I feel so awkward about calling this leader right now <laughs> because yeah. maybe you haven't spoken to them in months other than because there's not been programming in the last seven weeks. So you haven't seen them. There hasn't been a natural connection point. Uh, it goes back to, do we have relationships with our people through programs or do we actually have relationships with people? And so like I would affirm too, I want to, I want to be careful here and say directly to you, student, student pastors, this isn't to 
like put a major guilt trip on you. If, if you're in the place where you're like, okay, maybe I don't know my leaders really well. Now is an opportunity for you to engage in that. Now is an opportunity for you to connect further than you have before. I think a real true evaluation is important. So do that and, and, and but be kind with yourself and say, I, I, can, I can make a difference in this moving forward. But like I need to know, is the, are my leaders suffering in their jobs right now? Like if this business in our community is having problems because of, of COVID-19, then, that, then I need to know that that impacts these two or three leaders that are on my team and I need to reach out and be a pastoral voice right now. And, and so take steps to begin constructing those relationships if they aren't there right now. Now's the perfect time to do that. I appreciate you saying too, Ben, that this is not a, and I feel like so much of what, what we say, these are not things that we've always done to the degree that we coach you <laughs> to do it. Listen, so much of it is like, here's where we failed and learned. Please don't do the same. Yeah. And maybe not even like we learned, oh, we didn't do a good job there, but now we're at Lifeway and like, I'm, it's not like I'm doing it now. Because I'm not, Ben, you're in a different spot than I am. You actually are in leadership of a student ministry, but I'm not a student pastor right now. So, man, this is, this is, not, this is not a guilt trip, but it, it is a truth that you, need to, that you need to consider. I like the filter of, do I know what to pray for my leaders? Mm, that's good. And that'll tell you whether or not you know them well enough or have relationship with them. But the reality that we all know to be true is that student ministry leadership, being a student pastor, a youth ministry leader is isolation station. We tend, and that's self-imposed and it's also, you know, from external sources, but a lot of times we isolate ourselves. And so it's just a reality of the struggle of ministry that we allow ourselves to, to get into. And then when you add the last several weeks on top of it, it's just amplified. Mm -hmm. So this should be a, a really healthy season of analysis for you to realize the depth of that isolation and start doing something about it. So what would you guys say in terms of uh, specific ways to care during this time. Uh, John Paul, I love the filter of, do I know how to specifically pray for this person? Um, and if there's waffling around and there's no answer to that, then that's an indicator of, hey, I need to reach out and I need to find a specific way to pray for, for this person or these people. What are some other ways that you guys would say, hey, here are some, some ways that you can begin caring right now for this very specific group. And again, let's separate the training and let's say training isn't always the same as caring for, though sometimes there is overlap, but how can we specifically care in this moment? This can look in so many different ways and I do think different people are encouraged in different ways. I love a good tangible gift or something that I'm, I'm holding. And so one thing, I feel like our church has done that's been really encouraging to me is just sending out sporadic notes of encouragement, like mailing them and including 
just a $5 Duncan card or $5 Starbucks card just to say, hey, we know that, guess what, life sucks right now and this isn't easy, kind of like just entering into that with them, but you're appreciated and I love you and I appreciate all the things that you've done and will continue to do and just know that in the midst of all this mess, I remember you and I appreciate you. And something as simple as that has been so encouraging to me, like, oh, I'm not forgotten. And they, they see me in the midst of all this mess. Yeah, that's good. So we know it, there's a real thing around Zoom fatigue. And so it, it may be something that is difficult even to get adults in another Zoom meeting. Um, if they're like me, I spend all day long right now in a Zoom meeting. But there is still a desire for community or like-minded community. And I think there are probably a lot of parents that are doing everything they can do to make sure their kids are connected to teachers and student pastors and, you know, whatever, whatever else they're doing as parents do always looking out for their kids and making sure their kids have the things that they need, but they may or may not be plugged in themselves in some kind of small group, just, opportunity to talk about the Lord and to spend time praying over one another and to just catch up a little bit and have some adult conversation. So I think even just setting up some care calls, just some time to not, don't teach a Bible study, don't, but just, hey, let's get on here and just pray together some and talk about life and encourage one another, be there for each other. I think those kind of things go a long way. And along the lines of knowing what to pray or your leaders, maybe even just a simple survey that you send to all your leaders. Hey, I'm realizing right now that I don't know everything about you. So I would like to know, tell me what's going on in your job. Tell me what's going on in health. Tell me what's going on in your family with your kids and, you know, whatever, a confidential questionnaire where they can send you the details of life that you can start praying over could be a cool thing. Yeah, man, I, I think that's a great point because I think there are some times where leaders, we would feel awkward not knowing what we should pray for specifically or not knowing the impact that it's having or not knowing the person really very well beyond what it took to recruit them to be a part of our ministry. And in that awkwardness, it could cause us to push away even further and to, uh, to not reach out because we're like, okay, I feel like I need to know these things. I don't know these things. I don't want this person to know that I don't know these things. Yeah. And so I'm just not going to reach out. But I think, I think there will be some that probably go, man, they really should have known that about me. But I think that thought will also be followed up by, but they're out. And they're reaching out now and they're trying to care for me now. And there will be some that don't ever think, man, they really should have known that about me. They'll just be appreciative that you're starting now to engage in a real relationship. And so my encouragement to you, student ministry leader, is to push past the awkwardness of maybe not knowing to the level that, that you think you need to at this point in order to get to that point, because it, it is going to show them that you care for them. It's the same thing that we would say about your relationship with a group of teenagers. You've just got to push through the awkward in order to care. 
And that's always going to be the way it is with people. When yeah, it's that, like ben, a humility pill you have to swallow. Yeah, yes, that's right. When you said that, Ben, you made me think of the many times that a kid would run up to me and just blatantly say, hey, you don't know my name, do you? <laughs> sure, buddy, I know your name. I got to go. I'll be back. <laughs> Here, have some cheese sticks. Yeah. Man, you're crazy. How would you think I wouldn't know your name? Bye. <laughs> There are times when Brady and I are going to hang out with maybe some new people that we've just met, probably met multiple times. We don't remember. They're coming over to our house and I have to just get on Facebook right before and stalk and remember the names of their kids because I'm like, God, they have like eight kids. I don't remember these names. And so, you know what? Stalking can go a long way too. So that's right. Appropriate stalking. Approved. Yes. Appropriate. Yeah. That's better. <laughs> that's a better word usage. <laughs> So what about things like game nights? Do volunteers want to have, do they want to play the games? Man, I think so. They may not admit it, <laughs> but I think once it gets started and the fun is beginning to be had, I think it's really meaningful. Like if you put volunteer game night, you're going to get only the people who naturally all of your Enneagram sevens are going to be like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> but I think when it starts, generally everybody will have a good time. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think this is a moment like agenda driven. Yes, call, get to know them, figure out specific needs that they have, pastor them. It is also a moment for some unstructured, just facilitating time to be together. John Paul, you mentioned this just a minute ago, and I think it applies here too. Is that it is likely that leaders in your ministry don't have a small group of their own because they walked away from it to serve in student ministry. And man, this is, while we don't plan for global pandemics, this is a moment where that lack of community really, really is shown. And so providing that space for them to just be with other adults is probably pretty key right now, especially if they have little kids running around the house. Like I, I know that in my own home, my wife spends the, the majority of the time during her day with our kids and there's not a ton of adult conversation happening because of all the responsibilities that have now been put on the shoulders of the home in, in this moment. So adults need to speak to other adult humans. And I think scheduling that gives them that freedom because I do think I don't know. It can just be easy to just at the end of the night, which there's a place for this, but at the end of the night, when I've been taking care of kids all day and working and all the things, I just want to disconnect. And I think there's a, a night for that. But I think if that's what you're doing every single night and that you have been doing that every single night for the last two months, we've been quarantined. I think that that has some potential for some negative ramifications. So if something like a fun game night is put on my calendar and invited, that kind of pushes me to, okay, maybe tonight I'm not just going to like veg out and, you know, binge the office all night. Like maybe I need to actually engage in a way, in a fun way. So I think that's a great idea, John Paul. What about different things like, uh, this may be a terrible idea, but I, I think I may have mentioned on another podcast, or this may have just been in a meeting that we had, like my family has been, and I'm not suggesting this, I'm, I'm talking about this to get to my point, <laughs> but my family has been cooking things together over FaceTime 
So my family on my mom's side is Colombian, and there are a bunch of really delicious Colombians that our family really likes. There's like a fried cheese bread that's really good, called buñuelos. Will you say all that again? <laughs> I know, fried cheese and bread. That's all I need to know. Yeah, they're super good. What's that called? Buñuelos. And then empanadas are another, it's another fried bread, but it's like a meat pocket with meat and potatoes and <laughs> this sauce that you make to put on it. So it's really good. And it's the kind of stuff we always make when we're together, like for Christmas or something, because we're all fiending for that kind of stuff. So we've been getting together every couple of weeks and making that stuff, everybody from their own house over FaceTime and just having fun doing that together. And then, you know, of course, we'll eat some of it and I'll talk about how ours turned out. So I wonder if there's something similar that could just be a fun thing for volunteers to do together. So like it crossed my mind, if you have some volunteers that like to exercise, like do, could, I don't know, there could be some awkwardness there, but doing like a CrossFit workout <laughs> together. If, if, <laughs> Everybody doing squats, FaceTime squats. Make sure yeah. the camera's not pointed at your rear end while you're squatting. <laughs> but just something other than let's sit down and pray together, although there's a ton of value there, is just a diff something different to create community in affinity groups is kind of what I'm pointed to. So we all like this thing. Let's do it together for a little while. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I think another, I, I think this, try anything, right? Like this is, this is the moment to just try stuff, provide things. I think we can, like if we can move past in our minds to everything I do has to be full of people and focus on what can I do to engage people? Uh, I, I think we'll be better off in this moment. So let's apply that principle. And then I think too on this, like how can we pastor a group of people without requiring them to be in something with us? And I think that is something that beyond COVID-19, we need to consider to a greater degree. How can I pastor this group of people without requiring them to come to me for something? Yeah, that's good. So as an example, if I have married couples in my volunteer base, and you're going to have some singles, and that's okay. You can do something else for them. It, this, you, everything you do doesn't have to be one size fits all. But if you have married couples in your, in your volunteer base, what if you created an at-home date night, and you sent the stuff to them to use for them to have a date night. You're not involved. You're not there like coaching them through the date night. You're not, you're not on <laughs> FaceTime, you know. Do, like Barry. Like, yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> That's right. You're not, you're not there, but. I'm going to DJ them. this date for you. Y'all just pretend <laughs> like I'm not watching. Just the turntables. <laughs> oh man. It's couple skate. But you've pastored them in that moment because you've provided them something to do that's outside of the norm, that fulfills a need, that gives them, like, let's carve out space to do this thing tonight. And so, I don't know, just stuff, try to think about things that you can minister to them in that doesn't involve you DJing the moment. I like that. I like the DJ <laughs> analogy there. I think that's I really good, Ben. I know. I hope my church is listening to that because that is a really good idea. <laughs> the date night specifically? Yes. I just think that's super great. 
That's awesome. Especially like you said, providing those things where the actual people don't have to put all the work into it. So yeah. Journey Church, hope you're listening. <laughs> you could get you could finish up this uh podcast and go tell Brady, hey, here's a good idea. Here's a good idea. Guess what? And we should be the first recipients of this. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, we've come to the point in the podcast where we like to introduce uh, different segments. And this segment is called What's Producer Nathan Up To? So you guys know that have been listening to this podcast for a while that Producer Nathan likes to do different things. He is a, a collector of hobbies. And I, I have a great respect for that. And so we are, we're going to ask Nathan, producer Nathan, during this quarantine season, producer Nathan, what are you up to? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I've been up to lately is expanding my cooking with my Instant Pot. I've been branching out. And so I'm a firm believer in the Instant Pot. It's a great, this is not a product placement, I promise, but it's a great tool to use and cook with. Anyway, I've usually make a lot of pasta stuff. So I've been trying to branch out uh, because I should not eat pasta all the time, especially when, you know, I don't exercise as much as I used to. So not a good, not a good recipe there. So I've been developing a couple different cakes. I've got a great chocolate cake recipe and you're like, what in the world? Like a cake in Instant Pot? You've got to be kidding me. Nope. Promise. It's a legit thing. Most delicious thing you'll ever taste. They're not dry at all, obviously, because it's Instant Pot. So I've done, I've done that. I've, I've finished off a uh, kind of an apple like an apple spice cake that's really good. And then my current endeavor, so those two came from recipes. And this now I'm trying to like take what I've learned from those couple of recipes and put it all together. I'm trying to make a key lime cake in the Instant Pot. And so I don't have a recipe for it. So I'm trying to figure out like all of my balance between the ingredients and the liquids and like the key lime syrup and all that. The last one came out a little runny on the inside, which is not really what you want for a cake. So that's what I'm up to. <laughs> Nathan, I love that you started You're about off to say with... the same thing I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cooking too much pasta, which is not what you want to eat when I'm not exercising as much. So I'm making cakes and pasta. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, that I mean, I make, I make some general chicken and stuff too. Like I've got a pretty good chicken salad recipe and some other stuff like that. A good roast recipe. If you can find a roast, that's been kind of hard lately from the grocery store, but you know, those types of things. Well, we will be expecting office apple spice cake once, uh, once we get back from staying at home. All right. Uh, Nathan, thank you for updating us and fulfilling the what's producer Nathan up to segment of the show. I hope that this episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast has been helpful to you as you consider how to care for uh, your volunteer team during this moment. They need to be pastored right now uh, just as much as the teenagers in your ministry. So reach out to them, build those relationships, push through the awkwardness, and lead them well. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.